All right, guys, so we're going to continue in our series, which is called what? What is Easter? So last week we started a series, and this whole time between last week and then the week after Easter, we're going to be focusing on this question of what Easter is, because as fun as Easter eggs are, right, as fun as the hunts are and getting together with family and having nice meals, that is not the significance of Easter. That is not where the significance of Easter comes from. So last week we kicked off this series by uh, looking at the question of how we see Jesus, right? Y'all remember that? Right, we, we, we asked this question, we looked at this guy named Thomas who came face to face with how he saw Jesus. And a lot of people, they base their, uh, they, they base their perception of Jesus off of their experience. That based on what I've experienced in my life, this is how I see Jesus. But what we know is that the reality of who Jesus is, the awesomeness of Jesus, the powerfulness of Jesus is not based on our experiences, but it's based on the fact that he did the impossible. Can y'all remember from last week what the impossible was? Just shout it out. Beating death. death, right? So Jesus is the only person who has done that before. Like we, people will try to outrun death. They'll, they'll try to make it like not a thing. But no matter what we do, death will come to all of us. But Jesus beat that. And so tonight's focus, and you'll see this on your notes. Tonight's focus is this. Restoration. So, what do you all think restoration means? Restoring. Restoring. Okay. What else? Just scream it out. Fixing something that's broken. Okay. Resting. Resting. Okay. Say what? Changing. Changing. So, those are all really good. So, this is what Google, this is how Google defines it, okay? A bringing back to a former position or condition. Again, bringing it back to a former position or condition. That's what you guys said, right? It's, it's, it's bringing something back to what it was before, right? So if you go back to Genesis, who has heard of Adam and Eve? Right? All of us. So before Adam and Eve, so when, when they were in the garden, it was perfect, right? No sin. But then they made a mistake and sin came into the world. The second that sin came into the picture, we were separated from God. Because God is perfect, right? And so because he's perfect, he can't know sin because sin is brokenness. So the second that sin came into the picture, you and I were separated from God. And some might say, well, that's not fair. Uh, That's not fair that these people like long ago messed up and now we're paying for it. Doesn't matter. We are separated from God. So here's the second thing on your notes. Because of Jesus's resurrection, we experience restoration. So because of Jesus's resurrection, we experience restoration. In other words, the second that Jesus went to the cross, the second that he died and the second that he came back to life, that he came back and he beat death in that moment, we were restored back to God because Jesus paid that price that was ours because the Bible says that the wages of sin is what? It's death, right? So we all sin, right? Who sins? Who messes up? All of us do, right? There is no perfect person. 
So if we believe everything the Bible says, if you and I mess up, what do we deserve? Death, right? But Jesus, because he loved us so much, he said, I'm going to take that for them. I'm, I'm going to take on that punishment for them. So because of what Jesus did for us, we're brought back to God. We experience restoration. And so here's the question for tonight. After, after restoration, because last week we talked, we, we, we opened up the, the series by looking at, at, at how we see Jesus. And then now we're looking at the resurrection of Jesus. What, what, what's next? What comes next? If you and I are to fully embrace restoration based on what Jesus did, what comes next? And so tonight we're going to look at a guy named Peter. Now, Peter was one of the was one of Jesus's disciples. Right. And Peter, he gave up three years of his life to follow Jesus. And when I say he gave up everything, like he gave up everything. He left his friends. He left his family. He left everything. He left his job. He left everything to follow Jesus. And so for three years, Peter, along with along with 11 other people, they had a front row seat to what Jesus was doing. They had a front row seat to seeing who Jesus was. And so tonight, we're going to look at a, uh, at a piece of scripture where, where Peter encounters Jesus. And we're going to see through Peter what the next step to restoration is. So in the back of your chairs, there should be Bibles. I want to encourage you to pull it out because I want you guys to see what I'm seeing. I, I want you guys to, to know what I'm reading through. And we're going to be on page 511, okay? Page 511, which is the same page as last week. So if you have like eidetic memory, just use that right now. Or just look for page 511, okay? <coughs> so on page 511, we're going to be in John chapter 21, okay? So on page 511, we're going to be in John chapter 21, and we're going to spend some time in verses 15 through 19, but I'm not going to spend time reading this first part, okay? I will give you a quick overview because really it's a a really simple moment. So Jesus, before this, some of the disciples, they're fishing, they're not catching anything. Like y'all know those days, that's frustrating, right? Like you're spending out there all day, ain't ain't catching nothing. That's frustrating, right? So these disciples, they're in that moment. They're fishing, nothing's happening, they're catching nothing. And then Jesus comes up to the shoreline and he's like, hey, Cast your net to the other side. At, now, at, at this point, the disciples don't know that it's Jesus. They just see this, this kind of random guy walk up and be like, hey, just cast your net on the other side. Right? They do. They catch a lot of fish. And Peter jumps out of the boat. He rushes to shore because he realizes it's Jesus. And that's where we see ourselves. So if you read through verses 15, really through verse 17, you see Jesus asking Peter three times, hey, do you love me? Three times Jesus says, hey, do you love me? And every time Peter says, well, of course I do. Like, duh, I've, I've given up everything to follow you. So yeah, I do love you. Three times he asked me, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Every time Peter says, yeah, I do. At one point he says, God, you know everything. Jesus, you know everything. Of course you know that I love you. 
And what's really interesting, and this, if, if, if you're a, a history guy or girl, this might be interesting, but if you look at, at the, the, the amount of times that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? If you go back to when Peter denied Jesus, denied him three times, right? So in this moment, Jesus asked three times, like, hey, do you love me? That's pretty cool, right? Like that, that, that's how connected everything is in God's word. So Peter says three times, of course I love you, Jesus. Of course I love you. You know this, I love you. And then verse 18, check it out. Verse 18 says, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Two simple words, right? Follow me. So here's the next thing on your outline. After restoration, remember again, we're looking at this question of what's next. After restoration, Jesus calls us to follow him. He calls us to follow him. Pretty simple, right? It's a pretty simple response, right? But reality is, and I will just use my own experience, reality is, that following Jesus can sometimes not be as easy as it sounds. Sometimes following Jesus sounds easy, but in all reality, it is one of the most difficult things to do. Because if you go back to verse 18, what we just read, Jesus tells Peter, he walks through this natural progression of life, right? Because like right now, if you really wanted to go somewhere, like I know you got parents and all that, but if you really want to go somewhere, you can go somewhere, right? Like you don't need someone to like guide you by hand, right? Like when you get up in the morning, no one has to like walk you to the bathroom, right? No one has to do that. Now when you get older, that might change, okay? It might change. And maybe even before that, it might change. I don't know. But as you get older, the older that you get, you'll, you'll in a way have less dependence or have less independence. So Jesus is telling Peter that right now you have the choice to go wherever you want. But later on down the road, it's not going to be like that. But what we know is that Jesus is talking about something much deeper than this. That Jesus is not just simply talking about, hey, the older you get, the less independence you might have but he's going to a much deeper letter or a much deeper level and again it goes back to after restoration jesus says jesus calls us to follow him and so tonight what i want to do for the next little for the next few minutes is i just want to tell you some realities of following jesus because let's again let's be honest the things in here in the bible they sound nice right they sound great but sometimes following these things can be kind of difficult, right? Sometimes following these things can be a lot more challenging than they are easy. And that doesn't make you a bad person, it makes you human. So just for a few moments, I want to just tell you some realities of following Jesus. 
That when he said this, when he told Peter this, when he, when he calls us to, to follow him, there's some things I want you to know. And I'll base these off of scripture. This is not my personal opinion. This is, this is scripture, okay? And so the first thing, the first reality of following Jesus on the back of your outline is this. It won't always be easy. Following Jesus won't always be easy. Some of you guys probably know that by now. And I'm, I'm sure my adults in the room, you know that's true, right? In your life, it's been hard to follow Jesus sometimes. So sometimes it is difficult to follow Jesus. Go back to verse 18. If you, if you read the very, first, the very last part, Jesus says, But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. There's going to be moments when you don't want to follow Jesus. There's going to be moments when, it, when you feel, when everything around you is saying just to give up on Jesus. There's going to be moments that you experience. There's going to be times, there's going to be difficult, challenging moments where following Jesus is difficult. When I lose somebody, when, when I lost my dad a few years ago, when I lost my grandpa, I'm going to be honest with you, my first response was not to praise Jesus. It wasn't. My first response was, what the crap, God? My initial response for a long time was anger. It wasn't, it wasn't Jesus, I, I can tell you that. But here is another reality of following Jesus. Again, going back to verse 18, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And so here's another reality of following Jesus. It will cost you something. Following Jesus will cost you something. Check out what it says in Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So if you're going to follow Jesus, it requires you giving up yourself. When you follow Jesus, all of a sudden it's not about you anymore. When you follow Jesus, it's not about people praising your name or praising what you can do. It's about people praising the name of Jesus. And it's about people seeing Jesus through you. Because in the same cha- in the same book, in Matthew, Jesus tells us that if you are a follower, if you are someone who has put your faith in Jesus, that you are called to be the light of the world. You're called to be the salt of the earth. In other words, people are supposed to see Jesus through you. If I was to turn off all the lights in this room and it was completely pitch black outside, and I lit a simple match, that small light would be so massive, right? Because even with the absence of light, even the smallest light can change everything. So the thing that it will cost you is yourself. Jesus said to, to deny yourself. 
And we can see these things and hear these things and we can kind of think, well, that's that's not much fun for us. Like if we if it's not going to be easy and it and it costs us something, that that doesn't sound very very appeasing, right? But just as there are realities of following Jesus, there are benefits of following Jesus. There are things that you and I get because we have decided to follow Jesus. And the first thing is this. You have a place to rest. If you follow Jesus, you have a place to rest. Check out Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Who gets tired? I know I do. There's, there, there's moments when life hits you so hard that you question whether you can get back up or not. There's moments when things happen and it's just like the next bad thing after the next bad thing after the next bad thing and you're like, when is something good going to happen? There's moments when you give everything you have and it still does not seem enough. Because we can put on a mask with people, right? We can put on a fake smile. We can we can convince people that we're doing okay. But when we're alone and we are trying just to keep our head above water and there's no one else around, all of a sudden it gets a lot more difficult to run from those feelings. But if we follow Jesus, we have rest. He says that. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened. Basically, if you're tired, which is all of us, come to me and I will give you rest. But there's one more benefit. And I want to say this. There, there are more than just two benefits. Don't think that there's only two reasons why I should follow Jesus. No, there are plenty of them. But for the sake of time, I would love to sit here for hours and hours and talk. But you probably wouldn't like that. You're probably like, I'm ready to go outside again and lose to basketball to Aaron. I get it, okay? I'm, I'm, out there, I'm, out, I'm out there with you, okay? So there are way more benefits than just these two, but these are just two things that when I was sitting and looking over this stuff, these, these are the things that God just pressed into me. And the second one is this, the second, a second benefit is that you won't be alone. You won't be alone. Check out Deuteronomy 31.8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So in this moment, in Deuteronomy 31.8, Moses is telling Joshua, because Joshua is about to take control, now y'all have heard of Moses, right? He's like he's a pretty pretty like good dude, right? Like he did some pretty amazing things, right? And then Joshua comes in behind him, and all of a sudden Joshua's in command. Now if I was to if I was to follow up somebody like Moses, I'd be pretty terrified too. In this moment, we see this promise, and the same promise is true for us as well. That we're not alone. Not only does he go with, like he goes before us, but he also goes with us. So even in the moments when you feel like you're alone and there's no one who understands what you're going through, there's Jesus. In the moments when you feel like there is no hope whatsoever, 
there's Jesus. The moments that you feel like there is no way that anyone could understand what I'm thinking or feeling right now, Jesus does. Because he is right there with us. He's in there. He's with us in the valleys and and he's with us on the mountaintop. Like God just doesn't peace out when things are going good. Like he is there with you in the good things. He's also there with you in, in the bad things. And so what does all this mean for us tonight? What, what are some application points for you and me? Here's the first one. Restoration always costs something. So restoration always costs something. It doesn't matter. So if you are trying to seek restoration in a relationship, it might cost you putting down your pride for a second. It might cost you some time that you would spend talking, trying to convince, trying to argue, and just listening to the person in front of you. So restoration cost us something. And for Jesus, same thing. But for Jesus, restoration cost Jesus everything. It cost him everything. You remember a few moments ago, I said because of his death, because of his resurrection, we have restoration, right? So restoration cost Jesus everything. Whenever I think about this, I've done this before, but whenever I think about this, I always get this, this picture in my mind. <clears throat> and it, it's, it's really easy for us to, uh, to, to glaze over the fact that Jesus lived, right? Like, it, like we can talk about resurrection, we can talk about his death, his burial, but going back to the very beginning... Who, who, who knows John 3.16? All of us, right? It is. Most popular verse. People can quote that with their eyes closed and hands tied behind their back. And so we, we, we read through that verse. We, we quote that verse. And in that verse, it tells us that God gave His only begotten Son, right? And we read that, and we know it, and we memorize it, and we say it. But there's times that we just kind of forget the significance of that. And I'm, 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 I'm a very visual person. If you don't know it by now, you'll know it. I'm, I'm very visual. So whenever I think about this, I see it like this. And hopefully I don't fall. If I fall, honey, I love you. And I'll watch over you from the, great, from the great beyond, okay? So Jesus. Yeah, we're safe. Okay. If I fall, grab, grab onto this. We'll see. Decker, stand right there, buddy. I can catch me if I fall. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, so listen. So in this moment, like, yes, God gave his only begotten son, but I have to believe that Jesus had, had, had some kind of say in it, right? Like, like, Jesus had to have some sort of opinion about going to, the, to, to earth. And I see it playing out like this. Jesus, God, they're up in heaven. They're looking down. And God says, man, they need someone to save them down there. Man, those are some wicked people. Like, listen, guys, if you read through the Old Testament, they, they were some wicked people, okay? Like, wicked, 
of the wicked. Okay? And God seeing this, he's like, man, that's not what I meant for things to be like. If you go back to Genesis, he meant for things to be perfect. When he created Adam and Eve, it was perfect. That was his intention. So he's thinking, man, there is no way it's supposed to be like that. That's not what I meant. That's not how I meant things to play out. And he says, man, someone has to save them. And Jesus says, hey, I got you. I'll go. And I have to believe that, if, that if, if God is a loving God, that when he gave his only begotten son, his only son, there had to be some resistance there. Because for all my parents, if someone came to you and said, hey, give up your kid, there's going to be some resistance there, right? There's going to be some fight and you say, no, I'm not giving up my son. I'm not giving up my daughter. So I have to believe that God said, are you sure about this, Jesus? Are you sure about this? And Jesus said, yeah, yeah, let me go. Let me go for them. But Jesus, do you know what you're going to have to go through? Do you know that you're going to go through some, some very painful things for them? They don't even love you at times. They, they, they will turn from you. They will abandon you. And you still want to go for them. Yeah, I want to go. Like if I know someone's going to abandon me, I'm not giving them anything. Right? That's just me. If I know someone's going to abandon me and not love me back, I'm not giving them anything. But Jesus gave everything. He said, yeah, God, I want to go. Dad, I want to go. I want to save them. And so Jesus, because he loved you, because he loves you so much. He was up here. Everything was perfect. And he stepped down. And he said, I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to love them so much. I'm going to go to the cross for them. And going to the cross was not some vacation. Going to the cross was something that was painful. Like, they didn't just, like, put little screws like this. No. Thick screws, thick nails into his wrist. Not, not for pleasure, not for fun, because he loved us. If you read, a lot of people, they, they quote the Lord's Prayer, right? So Jesus, he said, the night before, the night before he went to the cross, he prayed to God, he said, God, if there is any way, if there's any way to let this cup pass before me, let it be. In other words, if there's any way for me to get out of this, because I know what's going to happen, I know what I'm going to go through. If there's any way for me to get past this, around this, away from this, let it be. But there's another part to that. He wasn't done there. He said, but if, but if, if I have to go through this, if I have to walk through this, okay, I will. So restoration cost Jesus everything. It cost him everything. So tonight, here in a moment, we're going to break into small groups. But tonight, here's the questions I want you to consider. Have you been restored to God through restoration? Have you, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior to, to embrace restoration, to be brought back to God? And if you have, are you following God? Because if we're... <laughs> Some people, they will embrace restoration, but when it comes to truly following God, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about something much deeper than posting a scripture or a picture or whatever on social media. I'm talking about something much different. I'm talking about when people see you, they see Jesus. That's all they see. 
tonight, if you have never put your faith in Jesus, that's your first step. That's your first step, to put your faith in Jesus. To believe that He is God, to believe that He is your Savior, and to, and to confess that with your mouth. But if you are here and you have put your faith in Him, you, you, you've put your trust in Him, maybe you need to ask that question, am I, am, am I really following God? Because it cost Jesus everything. It cost him everything for you to have a relationship with God. It cost him everything for you to be brought back into, into God, to be brought back into God's presence. And if I know that someone gave everything for me, I'm going to do my best to give everything for him. Because that's the least that I can do.